0: southern fried pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Mandy
1: Kay. And I'm Kelly Lee. Each week we're going to talk about our experiences of southern culture through the lens of stories that are set in the south, feature southern characters, or are southern flavored in some way.
0: So on this show, our structure comes from our amazing theme song, which was written by our friend Jazzy Bentley. So we'll talk about the movie in three different sections, southern culture in general, the bless your heart or problematic moments, and the things we love that tickle us pink.
1: This week, we're talking about Big Fish, based on the novel by Daniel Wallace, with a screenplay by John August. Released in 2003, Big Fish was directed by Tim Burton and stars Ewan McGregor, Albert Finney, and Billy Crudup. The IMDb classifies Big Fish as adventure drama fantasy, and the tagline is, an adventure as big as life itself. It had big ambitions. (laughs) That's about the sweetest, most Southern way I know of expressing that, Mandy Kay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The,
0: you know, the interesting thing about this movie, um, we picked it because it's set in the South. It, it's mm-hmm. set in Alabama. And honestly, if they hadn't told us that and if they didn't have Southern accents, I'm not sure I would have known. No. That this was a Southern movie. It, it didn't embody southernness. It just was a fact of the story.
1: Yeah, I agree with that completely. So did you have any Southern culture experience that did resonate with you from this movie? The one thing that I could
0: really come up with was just the idea of telling stories in general. Mm -hmm. Specifically telling the same stories over and over and over again. Both my Popeye and my granddaddy did this. They both had this uncanny knack of being able to recall what they were doing on a particular Tuesday in 1955 and what car they were driving, what they ate for breakfast that day. (laughs) I can't tell you what I ate for breakfast yesterday, so I don't know how they did this. But their entire lives, they could do this over and over and just tell the same stories.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so that idea of using stories to, to tell your own story and to have that story kind of reveal your identity, mm-hmm. I guess, was something I experienced through both of my uh, grandparents or grandfathers.
1: Yeah, I think that that's true for me, too. Well, my dad is a big storyteller. And, and I noticed that even with my friends who are Southern, like we actually will say, oh, tell the peanut butter ball story. Mm-hmm. And like everybody knows what that means, and you know kind of get everybody into to storytelling mode, but I can sort of associate particular stories that I want told by particular people
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and that does kind of feel very southern to me, absolutely,
0: yeah, so I mean that that's not a lot of southern culture experience from this movie for me, so I'm hoping that that you saw a little bit more
1: uh it was they they were small things. Right. so there was one line when they were talking about that big fish he said he passed up more hundred dollar reels than any other fish in Alabama and I was <laughs> like that is the most southern of southern lines." <laughs> <laughs> yep, that cracked me up and I don't know which kid actor had this line but when they were walking to the witch's house one of them said your mama's a bitch and whoever that kid was his southern accent was perfect <laughs> I don't even remember that line. (laughs) It cracked me up. It wasn't the line. It was just the delivery. Mm -hmm. But I did notice, though, almost every character in this movie was white. Mm -hmm. And that is not representative of the population of the South, certainly not of Alabama. Right. So I didn't know what was up with that. And then Edward had this one line where he said it's rude to talk about religion. (laughs) And that cracked me up because if you go to my hometown... The minute you're introduced to someone, the first question they're going to ask you is, so where do you go to church? Yep. Because it's assumed that you do, and knowing where you go tells them like where you live and your socioeconomic status and all that.
0: Right. So
1: I was like, eh, no, that's not my experience of <laughs> living in the South. And then one thing I thought, this is probably not particularly Southern, but when they were talking about all the photos from weddings and what a big deal that is. My parents are the only people I know who don't have any photos from their wedding at all. Okay. So I've never seen wedding photos. But in most of the southern homes that I know, those are like up on the wall and it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a, an experience that I don't have. Right. But the one thing that did speak to me in this movie was the freaking soundtrack, which was fantastic. Because then we got Lord I Was Born a Ramblin' Man and the Almond Brothers and the music was great all the way throughout, but I felt that they did a good job on the on the music. No good. Yeah, I suspected you were gonna like the music. I loved it. Which is more than I can say for most of the rest of the movie. So you wanna bless some hearts? <laughs> so God, this movie is so weird.
0: I did not remember this. I've seen it before and mm-hmm. all I remembered was the feeling that I had at the end. You know, and I talked about this last week with The Time to Kill. I remembered that movie being so full of hope and being so good because of the ending. And just like with The Time to Kill, I forgot what we had to go through to get to the end. Yeah. And I was shocked to discover how boring this movie is. Yeah. This movie should not be boring. It has a phenomenal cast. It's about tall tales. It's about a big fish. It's about a circus and a carnival and like a witch in the swamp and just
1: so many things. It should be delightful, but it just wasn't. I'm so glad that was your experience too, because I was bored out of my mind and I felt so bad for being so bored. Yeah. I don't, I just, I don't know
0: what could have made it not be boring. Like I really legitimately don't because the stories were adventurous and they were fantastical, but they were also just a little bit mundane, mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. I don't I honestly don't know how to make it better. But that yeah. But other than that, I think the the one thing that I really took issue with in this movie is the silliest thing. When Edward ended up Inspector the first time mm-hmm. and they had him over for dinner, mm-hmm. they were eating at the dining room table out of rocking chairs. <laughs> I'm sorry. Rocking chairs are for porches, not dining rooms. Correct. <laughs> so I was not okay with that. It was very strange and very weird. But um, yeah, yeah. that's all I got. I mean, <laughs> there, they, throughout the course of this movie, there's just there's not a lot there. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of meat there, which is, oh, I feel so terrible for saying, but I struggled.
1: I I did too, and I think this was. This one was very different because most of the movies we've watched, I would say I have a very passionate reaction to mm-hmm. one way or another. Right. And I, there is no passion for me in this. This was not a strong emotional experience at all. But it did kind of put me in a contemplative state. So I tried to look at it from that lens. Okay. And I came up with some questions to ask you when we get to the end. Okay. I was trying to think what could work for me, right? And as a love letter to story in general, I can appreciate it from there, even though it's a very slow start and a very slow burn. Mm -hmm. And the strongest part of the story seems to be the father-son dynamic. And it was simply beyond my scope of understanding. Right. But I asked several male friends about this movie and they all related very strongly to that father son dynamic. So I didn't want to bless the movie's heart for having a storyline that I just couldn't relate to. Mm-hmm. So I'll stick with the misogynistic shit that truly pissed me off. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Yeah, I-, I knew you were
0: going to have some things to say.
1: Yes. So this line needs to go. When Edward said, Sometimes the only way to catch an uncatchable woman is to offer her a wedding ring. If we were not watching this for Southern Fry Pop Culture, I would have turned the movie off right then and there. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I was like, Oh my god. Oh
0: Yeah, I, I could just like feel you rolling your eyes when that line came up.
1: <laughs> it was awful. And and the whole thing about Edward falling in love with Sandra just he sees her one time and then he's collecting these facts about her. You know, she likes daffodils. She's going to college. She likes music. And I'm like, that was possessive in a way that just felt gross to me Mm -hmm. because none of those descriptions are actually who she is as a person. She was like an object for him to pursue on a treasure hunt. And, you know, he showed up at her at her sorority house and he was like, you don't know me, but my name is Edward Bloom and I love you. And I was like, hello stalker. Like, yeah. I think this Edward learned from like Twilight's Edward and I was just <laughs> not <laughs> It was not okay. And for the record I love you and I will marry you is not romantic because what does she want for crying out loud? Like does this girl even like him or does she even have a choice in the matter or is it just Boy meets girl. Boy falls in love. Boy pursues relentlessly with a series of romantic gestures. And, ugh, no. I hated all of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to hate it. And I completely understand. I think the movie is trying to tell us that they both fell in love with each other. But we're only getting Edward's side of the story. Hmm. Okay. Like, If I think about it that way, it's slightly less rage-inducing, but the way it was presented was definitely creepy and not super okay.
1: And I mean, it did look like they really came to love each other, you know, and the the end love story with them was great, but no, it was just not for me. But then I had, like, three bless-your-heart things that were not connected. Okay. So, one was using a wedding ring as bait. This cynic in me thought... That is the best, whoops, I left my ring in another woman's bed cover story for a fisherman that I've ever heard. <laughs> wow, that is super sunny call. Right? I mean, a wedding ring is bait? Come on. Like, you don't, like, I don't know. It just, well, he got it back. I cracked me <laughs> up. <laughs> it's just like, okay. And then everybody being barefoot, inspector, and then he, he Edward left. Mm -hmm. And I was like, honey, there are ways of getting your shoes down from there.
0: Right. Was there not a single ladder in the
1: whole town? I mean, come on. (laughs) You're going to walk through a forest barefoot because a little girl threw your shoes up on a pole? I mean, what? I don't know. (laughs) But the, the part that really, really made me mad was this conversation between father and son. Where Edward was like, having a kid changes everything. You've got to change diapers and get up for feedings and blah, 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 blah. And Will said, well, did you do any of that? And Edward said, no, but I hear it's terrible. And I was like, great. There's an excellent model for fathering right there. Parenting as a mother only job just pisses me off.
0: And it should. But I mean, that was definitely a product of his time. Yeah. Even even Dr. Bennett commented on that when he was talking about Will's birth story mm-hmm. and why his dad wasn't there and how even if his dad had been there, it wouldn't have been any different because men just didn't do those things. So I think the movie was self-aware about it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And I think that that, that level of disengagement of each other is really what's driving the father-son relationship that the story is working to redeem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's terrible but necessary
1: for this movie. I think you have a much better take on that than I do. <laughs> so we'll go with yours. <laughs> so was there anything that made you tickle pink?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So first the cast of this is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I was shocked when the, the credits were running across the beginning. I was just like, wow, Danny DeVito, Helena Bonham Carter. Well, of course she's in it because Tim Burton directed it, but right. you know, Ewan McGregor, Jessica Lange, Allison Loman. It was just name after name after name, so I am completely shocked at how bored I was watching this movie with this cast mm-hmm. and with this director. But they were they were good and they were good at what they did. You know they they did well with what they had to work with. I think. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then we get to the ending, and the ending redeems the whole dang movie for me every time. Aww. I knew I was gonna cry. I had remembered crying the first time I saw it, and I knew it was gonna happen again. And as soon as Edward asked Will to tell him how it ends, I started crying. (laughs) And I did not stop until it was done. And I think Will finally embracing his father's storytelling instead of pushing against it and trying to make his father stop being who he was Mm -hmm. by embracing that and giving him exactly what he needed when he needed it was sheer perfection to me. And... I I can't even express adequately the way my heart felt like my heart wanted to explode. It got so full from watching that scene and watching Will finally understand who his father was.
1: I love your take on that. I didn't cry at all. I know. I know. know It's going to be like, oh, my God, Kelly, what is wrong with you? I I thought it was very tender Mm -hmm. and very touching, you know, and it was a very good ending. But I I just wasn't emotionally moved enough, I guess, to be that emotionally connected, even by the time we got to the end. So maybe it just didn't hit me the way that it was intended. I don't mm-hmm. know. But the ending, which I did think was great, that that ending with the, the circus and all the people showing up at the river reminds me of my life with Michael Keaton. I don't think I've seen that. This was a movie from 1993. And I saw it in the theater. It's Michael Keaton and Nicole Kidman. And that movie made me cry so hard that I passed out from sobbing. Oh, my gosh. In the theater? In the theater. And I literally thought I was going to die. Oh, wow. I think it is one of the like top five most crying beyond reason experiences I've ever had. And I mean, that movie broke me into little bitty pieces. I have never been able to rewatch it. And so it it reminded me of that, but not as strongly. Like, so it was similar enough that I could really appreciate the beauty of it, but it didn't come close to, like, a very similar experience that I'd had in another movie. So Mm -hmm. maybe that also sort of messed up that emotional connection for me. Right, right. Okay. Well, that's okay. Not everybody has to feel the same way about everything. Yeah. But I'm glad that you love the ending so much and it can leave you... Full of your hope and happiness because that's good.
0: <laughs> yeah, it did. It left me feeling happy mm-hmm. which was something I had not experienced for the previous two hours. <laughs> so <laughs> I think coming out of it with that happiness, maybe I don't know. maybe it's just because it was there despite everything else and that's just making me react to it even even stronger. I don't know, but it's a story. I think it's just because it's family. And family is so important to me, and I love watching families mend. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened here. Yeah, and it just it resonates with me so much. Like for me, it doesn't matter that it was father or son because it was still parent child, mm-hmm. and it was still family. Mm-hmm. And it just it hurt my heart, and then it healed my heart, and it was wonderful. Aww. I love that. That's really great. <laughs> So, while this movie didn't quite do that for you, what about it did tickle you, Pink?
1: Well, I love the music. Um, I love the visuals. I mean, Tim Burton is an amazing visual director. Mm-hmm. And I love the fantastical. So, just the love of fantasy and storytelling definitely tickled me. And the one scene where the thunderstorm, like, turned into the underwater visit with the mermaid, I thought was beautiful. And I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that. And Mostly the movie made no sense to me And the grass and bare feet inspector specter were weird But when everybody went outside And they were all dancing in the town square And there was music that made me very happy <laughs> Of course it did <laughs> But I did get some, some interesting philosophical ideas from this And so one of them was from Mr. Calloway Being a werewolf mm-hmm. Was Danny DeVito And I did really enjoy Danny DeVito in this movie And Edward said Most things you consider evil are simply lonely and I thought that was a really interesting idea. I just appreciated hmm. it for being thought-provoking. Yeah. The poet delighted me, <laughs> especially when he turned to a life of crime and started robbing banks. And oh. <laughs> he said, there had been a poem I think he'd been working on for like 10 years. 12. 12? 12, 12 years. <laughs> 12 he years. Let, he let Edward read it. And Edward said, it's only three lines long. And the poet was like, this is why you should never show work. In progress. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was hilarious to me. Um, but I, I did really like the idea of the role of story in our lives. You know, there was that great quote from Will. It says, a man tells a story so many times that he becomes the story. They live on after him. And in that way, he becomes immortal. And I like the kind of juxtaposition between that and Edward sort of criticizing Will's ability to tell stories. Mm-hmm. Where he said... To Will's fiancé, he was like, well, he would have told it wrong anyway. All the facts and none of the flavor. Right. And I thought, so the son wants truth and the father wants story. Mm hmm And that was kind of an interesting conflict. But I did really like the growing pains metaphor for, like, the idea of wanting a bigger life. And, you know, Danny DeVito's character told Edward Bloom, like, you were a big fish in a small pond, but this is the ocean and you're drowning. And so, like, that whole idea of big fish and what that means and what it means in your life and what it symbolizes, I thought that was really cool. hmm And then at the end, Will tells his father, you know, you became what you always were, a big fish. hmm so he's kind of, like, giving that to him as a gift, which I thought was good. And I think Edward touched other people's lives by being part of their stories. And the My Girl in the River with the Wedding Ring was very sweet. <laughs> I did like that. Okay. And in thinking about him as a big fish, like, I really liked how he needed to be in water as opposed to drinking it. Mm-hmm. Like, when he got really thirsty, he poured the water on his head. Right. And and I like that a lot. And my favorite scene of the movie was when he was in the bathtub, fully dressed. <laughs> and Sandra came in and got in the bathtub with him. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she still had on her really pretty dress, too. But they just had this moment of, like, holding each other in the water. And I thought that that was really beautiful.
0: It was really beautiful, but it was heartbreaking because they were finally accepting that his life was going to end soon. Yeah. And it just, it made me sad.
1: Yeah. It was very sad. It was very sweet, but I think it was, it was very beautiful in its own way.
0: Yeah. I think this movie is beautiful. Even despite it's like lack of I don't want to say depth, but lack of flavor, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it's it's very flat,
1: but it's still pretty. Yes.
0: Which I guess is what happens when you get Tim Burton to direct your movie.
1: <laughs> maybe so. But it was definitely pretty.
0: I wonder if the book is a different experience. Oh, maybe so. I didn't realize this was a, a novel adaptation, mm-hmm. but I'm curious So if if any of our listeners have read the book, I would be interested to know your thoughts about it.
1: Yeah, me too. That would be an interesting comparison. Yeah. So did you have other thoughts that did not fit into our buckets?
0: Ewan McGregor's southern accent sounds a lot like Matthew McConaughey's.
1: Yes, it does.
0: So in the beginning, Ewan McGregor's first lines, we didn't see his face. He was just telling the campfire story. And I was convinced that somehow Matthew McConaughey was in this movie too. (laughs) But it wasn't him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs>
0: Really bizarre. And then you you touched on this a little bit in your Tickled Pink section. The dialogue in this movie was written really, really well. Mm-hmm. It was very thoughtful and very insightful, which is not something that you expect in a movie about tall tales. Mm-hmm. So you get this line from Will. He says, I didn't see anything of myself in my father, and I don't think he saw anything of himself and me. We were like strangers who knew each other very well. Mm-hmm. And I can relate to that, and it's very accurately written for for that kind of relationship where your your family, you are intimate family, but you don't engage with one another. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then um, at the end, Jenny was finally telling Will some of the stories, and Will said, "Well, it's not logical because you can't possibly be the same witch in the swamp because my father was a boy when that happened to him." And she responds with, it's logical if you think like your father. To him, there's only two women, your mother and everybody else. (laughs) And that that line line. right there put every part of Edward in perspective for me. Mm -hmm. It was the perfect analogy for how he thought and how his stories worked. And I just really
1: liked it. Yeah. Can you talk more about that? Like, there's only two women, your mother and everyone else? Because I thought it was a really good line, but I don't know that I have fully unpacked it.
0: Well, so if there's only two women, your mother and everybody else, then the the bits that are his mother are very specific to to her, to Sandra. Like, So every moment with Sandra is pinpointed and clear for him. Mm-hmm. Every other woman is just somebody else. And so when he tells a story, it can be any woman. It can be the witch. It can be Jenny. It can be, I don't remember any other woman's names in this movie, huh. which is probably problematic. But I think by Edward not really seeing anybody else because he's so focused on the love of his life that when he tells stories, he can just put in anybody that makes sense to him in that moment. Okay. At least that's kind of how I read it. And, and it made perfect sense in my head.
1: That makes sense. Cause one of the things I was wondering about is at the funeral, you know, we see these real characters, like these real people who were characters mm-hmm. in his story and the conjoined twins were twins, but they weren't conjoined. Right. And I put that in the, all the facts, none of the flavor box. Uh-huh. But the way you're explaining it makes more sense. Yeah, I think so. It 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 was just, he,
0: I don't know. Do you ever have something that just makes perfect sense in your head and you cannot articulate it? Always. <laughs> That's where I am right now. <laughs> I I think for him, anybody who wasn't Sandra... Was a prop in his story, and I feel like that's a terrible thing to say because that is reducing people to objects. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't really think that's the intent here. It's the intent is to show his focus was on the love of his life, mm-hmm. and so the rest of the world was just there.
1: I think there was a time in my life where I would have found that very romantic, and now I'm too old and jaded. <laughs> oh. oh, I still think it's very sweet. I think the two of them grew to be very sweet. Like at the end, I really did like them together. It was just the beginning of it made me so frustrated and mad.
0: But it does make you wonder what the real story is behind how they met. Yeah. You know, how much of the story that that we got was bombastic and fantastical and exaggerated Mm -hmm. versus what actually happened. Yeah. We'll never know.
1: Unless they make Big Fish too, and they tell it from her perspective and <laughs> I don't know that I would watch it if they did. <laughs> Please God, no. <laughs> All right.
0: What about you? what What other thoughts did you have about this one?
1: So for some reason, and I don't know why, the rating for this movie caught my attention. I don't okay. know if it was how it was positioned on the screen or if it was because the music behind it. But I noticed that it was rated PG-13, and then I realized I have not paid attention to that for any of the other movies we've watched. I don't think I have either. I was just like, huh. So moving forward, I'm going to try to pay attention to what they're actually rated. because. Okay. I think that that may also influence some of what we see mm-hmm. in the movie. So I just thought that was interesting. But it gave me two philosophical questions for you. So ready? Okay. Yep. All right. Question one. Do you believe in love at first sight? The romantic
0: me wants to say yes. Mm-hmm. The pragmatist says no. And the way I compromise that is I think if two people experience it at the same time with each other, then it's possible. Mm-hmm. But you can't have it the way it was portrayed with Edward and Sandra, where it's just completely one-sided because that's not love.
1: Yes. Because he had that quote. He said, they say when you meet the love of your life, time stops. And that's true. And I had to pause the movie and, like, write in my notes, no, it's not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, no, it's not. It's not at all.
1: I just thought that was very interesting. I think I believe fully and completely in chemistry at first sight, but not love. Right. So, all right, question two. If you had the chance to see how you would die, would you take it? Is that foreknowledge that you want to have? Part of me says yes, and part of me says no.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm on a roll with this, like, <laughs> not really choosing a side tonight. I think, I think that if I did find out, then I would probably live like Edward did, never afraid that I was going to die, because mm-hmm. I knew that that couldn't hurt me if I was going to die later. Mm-hmm. And I would be afraid that that would make me take some really unnecessary risks. Mm-hmm. On the other hand... I don't think anybody should know how they're going to die.
1: It's just interesting to me. It echoed back to a book that I love called Garden Spells by Sarah Edison Allen. Yes. There's an apple tree. And if you eat one of the apples, it shows you how you die. Mm -hmm. And I've just always been curious. Like, if I found myself in front of that apple tree, would I take a bite or not? And I don't know the answer. But I really liked young Edward when he went to try to sneak into the witch's, you know, her house. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hi, I'm Edward. And he, like, introduced himself. And he was really mm-hmm. polite. And he asked yeah. nicely if he could <laughs> see her. And then he was really philosophical and deliberate about asking to see his death. And I thought that that was really, that was kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, it's...
0: This movie was really insightful and Mm thought-provoking. I just wish it had held my attention more than it did.
1: Yeah, me too. And it's odd for me to say, okay, this movie left me with philosophical questions, but I also felt really disengaged the entire time I was watching it. It's a weird kind of experience. It really is.
0: Like, I really don't know how to reconcile that in my head, Mm -hmm. but I had the exact same experience. All right, my dear. Well, this was the end of our season two of Southern Fried Pop Culture. We only did eight episodes this time.
1: So why don't you tell me what you loved about season two? Okay. So my favorite movie this season was Hope Floats. Because ideas from this movie have stayed with me and I can still hear Justin Matisse asking, what did you start out loving? And I think that question is going to stick with me for a while. And the love stories in that movie make me melt. And I need more stories that make me feel hopeful. So I just loved it. We all need stories that make us feel hopeful right now. Right? (laughs) But my favorite Southern Fry Pop Culture episode was actually a tie between Sweet Home Alabama, because that movie delights you so. And it was so (laughs) much fun talking to you about it. And, believe it or not, Gone with the Wind. Because our discussion helped give me closure on a movie that had a strong negative impact on me. <laughs> well good. I'm I'm glad. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to watching more movies that I have not seen when we do season three. So how about you? What was your favorite part of season two?
0: Hope Floats was definitely my favorite movie too. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can it not be with Justin Matisse in it? Yeah. Really. That that's all we need. I actually really liked our episode on Waitress because it delighted you to no end. And it let us explore the idea that two contradictory things can be true at the same time. Mm-hmm. So like liking the movie and the story while simultaneously hating the misogyny and particular brand of romance that were presented. Oh, yeah. I liked exploring that with you because it's it's not something that I tend to do. Mm-hmm. Usually I take things very surface level and I either like it or I don't. And this movie, I both loved it and hated it. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I really liked exploring that with you.
1: Oh, that's great. I saw, I was looking for theater tickets and Waitress the Musical is coming to St. Louis in April. You should go. I'm so excited. I'm going to go. Okay.
0: I <laughs> yes. think you will really like it.
1: I can't wait to see it.
0: Yeah. So we definitely picked some tough movies for this round. <laughs> yes, we did. We really did. And we put them all right together. Yeah. <laughs> Gone with the Wind, Green Mile, Time to kill. Yeah. <laughs> All right together. Um, but it, it was still, it was good. I enjoyed the conversations that we had, and I feel like that we got to explore ourselves a little bit. Yeah. More than we did in season one. I do, too.
1: And I always love talking to you.
0: Oh, I love talking to you, too.
1: And we will be back with Southern Fried Pop Culture season three in January. Yes. If you want to join the conversation on Twitter, use
0: the hashtag SFPOP. Tell us what you thought about Big Fish and... Let us know what you'd like us to watch for next season. We've plenty of time to start building that list. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay, or you can email us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com. And you can find
1: me on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Jones, or on the Chipperish Media podcast Still Dead with Lonnie Rich and Orgasm with Noelle LaCroix.
0: And Southern Fried Pop Culture is 100% funded by supporters like you through our Patreon page. For exclusive content and more, please visit us
1: at patreoncom eloquent gushing. Thanks to Jazzy Bentley for our amazing show music, and thanks for a great season two, y'all. We'll see you in January.
0: You want to hear just what I gushing production for more information please visit eloquentgushing.com or visit us on twitter at eloquent gushing so we still want to hear from you though if you want to join the conversation on twitter you can use the hashtag sf tell us what you thought about shit what's this movie called big fish <laughs> <laughs> you need to cut that out as an outtake and yes. send that to me i was
1: about to ask can i put that at the end as an outtake you
0: absolutely can yes okay. you can <laughs> Wow, okay.